Amen. This morning. Hallelujah. God is so good. Amen. Small church, big heart. Amen. I thank God for, uh, for what God is doing already through us, and greater things are yet to come, and greater things are yet to be done uh, in this church and in this city and this town. So, amen. I want to mention one more announcement this morning uh, before we get into the message. I'm going to give you a little bit of an update on Kids Church just for a moment. Uh, we are, we've been back and forth about this and, uh, uh, and uh, trying to make some decisions on how to move forward with this, and our decision is that we are moving forward uh, with this, and uh, Sister Grace is uh, as uh, a volunteer to uh, to help start and help lead uh, a kids church program. Uh, those of you that may not know, she is uh, she is certified and trained, and and uh, uh, obviously she deals with uh, children with special needs, and she takes care of all those kind of things. Uh, in her daily job, and uh, I think that uh, uh, she's going to be able to transfer that over to uh, what we're going to do here uh, at Farm Hill Church and uh, the, the people that we're going to reach out to and, uh, and get to come into church. And so uh, beginning next Sunday, Lord's willing, the creek don't rise and he don't come back before then, uh, next Sunday we're going to start Kids Church uh, formally. Uh, and we'll say is, uh, as long as we got kids coming uh, and are here, she's going to go back uh, with them. Uh, we've got a little area set up uh, or setting up a little area there in the fellowship hall. Uh, so they've got bathrooms, they've got heat, they've got uh, a refrigerator and some things that they need in there for now until we can get some of these other rooms uh, updated a little bit, but uh, we're going to uh, open it up and uh, we're going to uh, have kids church in there. Um, I want you to know your kids are going to be taught the Bible. They're going to be taught the Word of God. Uh, they're going to have fun too. Everybody okay with having fun? I mean, it's all right. It's all right to have fun as well. Uh, but uh, we're going to start that next Sunday on the first Sunday of the month. So the first Sunday of the month, there won't be kids church. That's going to give Sister Grace and the uh, the young ones that are going to be helping, probably McKenna, maybe Brooke and Allie, maybe she may be calling on some of you adults as well uh, to help depending on how many uh, students or how many uh, kids we got in there. So uh, be in prayer for that. But next Sunday we'll start. But the first Sunday of the month uh, will not have Kids Church. That gives Sister Grace and the volunteers time to be in uh, big church, we call it now, right? So uh, uh, big boy church. And uh, so uh, we're looking forward to that. I hope you are as well. And uh, we're just looking that uh, God is going to multiply and begin to do some things uh, through Kids Church. And uh, we got VBS that's going to be coming up in the summer uh, that uh, we feel like are going to be some ways that we can reach uh, some families through their children, and uh, we're going to reach out to children that uh, uh, that have needs. We're going to reach out to children that maybe um, you know don't feel like they're they have a place at a other church. We're going to make a place right here at Farm Hill Church where everybody's welcome and everybody's got a place to come and worship. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter number twenty-two. Matthew chapter number twenty-two. Uh, and as you're turning there this morning, uh, I'm just going to uh, give us a little introduction here uh, and uh, just get Matthew chapter number 22, beginning at verse number 36. In the beginning, God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, as Genesis 1:26. The triune nature of God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the triune nature of God reveals to us that God himself has a 
uh, relationship between the three divine persons of the Trinity. So God in even himself is a relational being. In other words, he has even relationship among himself. And when God created us, created man and woman, in his image and in his likeness, God imprinted upon our hearts also that, uh, that same nature of being a relational being. In other words, God created us for relationship. And there are really a couple different forms of that relationship. It's relationship that we have, first of all, with God in heaven above. As, uh, as you would say, uh, Brother Trey, a week or two ago, that's our vertical relationship that we have with our Creator. We also have what we would then call horizontal relationships and relationships that we have with one another. And each one of those relationships is extremely important in our lives. And it's important for us to realize, I mean, what I'm titling this this morning is Relationship Matters. It matters what our relationship is with God. It matters what our relationship is with one another. It matters how that we go about those relationships in our lives. And, and sometimes we like to overlook these things and we like to move past these things. Even in myself, sometimes I would prefer, you know, to preach on Acts chapter number two and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Or I'd prefer to preach on uh, the healing power of Jesus Christ. Or I'd, I'd rather preach on dead bones coming to life. Amen. But every once in a while, amen, we've got to have the whole counsel of God and we've got to know that there is something that God's word is telling us about relationships in our lives uh, and it is leading us uh, to have the right kind of relationship with him and with others. Can somebody say amen this morning? Matthew chapter number 22 verse number 36. Jesus says that the most important part of our lives as believers is how we approach these relationships in our life. Matthew, Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? In other words, there were those religious leaders that came to Jesus and were, were trying, to, trying to trick Jesus into saying something wrong or something here. And, uh, and so they say, Teacher, Rabbi, what's the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus said unto them, verse 37, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. With all that you are, right? This is the first and the great commandment. In other words, this is the greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. In other words, Jesus says you can sum up the entire Old Testament in your Bible. You can sum up the entire law that we're reading through now as we've come through Exodus and we're going into Leviticus and we'll be going into uh, Deuteronomy and we'll be going into Numbers and all of those things. Uh, you can sum up all the law that is in the Word of God. You can sum up all of the prophets. All of Psalms, all of Proverbs, all of the writings that are in the Word of God, you can sum them up in this thing. Love God and love people. It boils down to those 
two commandments. On those two things, you can hang all the law and the prophets. We talked about the Ten Commandments in our Bible study, amen, here a while back, amen. You can sum up uh, each one of those Ten Commandments. If you look at them closely, amen, it is either about loving God or it's about loving people. And that is what it is about, amen, today. Loving God, amen, and loving people in our lives. You see, it's all about relationship. Relationship matters. Love God and love people. How we relate to God and relate to one another, amen, matters this morning. So we're going to talk about some of those things. Uh, we're going to look at how that we can make sure that we're living in right relationship with God and living in right relationship with others. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the causes of how our relationships can go sour. And when they do, what they may reveal about our own hearts and what we can do to change it with the help of the Holy Spirit. So this morning, to the title of today's message, the title of today's sermon uh, is this. I'm calling it this morning, Heartitude. Developing the right heart attitude. In other words, the attitude of the heart. Amen. Heartitude. Amen. And we're going to talk about that this morning. Amen. Because here's the thing. The attitude of our hearts will determine the quality of our relationships. I hope you'll see that as we get through this message today. The at, because the attitude of your heart is truly who you are. Amen. And what is in our heart will ultimately reveal itself in our relationships. Now I'm going to key verse that I'm going to use here. You're welcome to turn there if you want to, but it's just one verse. We're going to put it up on the screen. Amen. But Proverbs chapter number 27, verse number 19 in the New King James Version says this, As in water, face reflects face, so a man's heart reveals the man. Now I'm going to give that to you in the New Living Translation because it puts it just a little bit plainer. I think it's, I think it's clear, but let's just make it a little clearer. As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects the real person. In other words, it is not, um, uh, it is not the, the external things in our lives, amen, that, uh, that, uh, that reveal truly who we are. I mean, it is not our Facebook profile. It's not who we are when we are around certain people and in certain situations. Uh, the heart, uh, or your heart, is the center of your authentic self. It's a reflection of who you are. It is the comprehensive term that we use to describe, yeah, I mean, who you are as a person. Your feelings, your desires, your passions, your thoughts, your mind, and your will. And we can present ourselves, amen, an outward appearance that is not truly a representative, amen, or not truly representative of who we really are. And that may work for a while, but eventually the attitude of the heartitude that is inside of you is going to reveal itself in your life. Amen. You can, amen, it's going to come out in, in our speech, the way we talk. It's going to come out in our actions, the, what, we, what we do. It's going to be revealed through our body language. It's going to be revealed through how we treat other people. Your authentic self cannot hide itself forever. It will eventually come to the surface. That's why God does not judge us by outward appearance. God says man looks on the outward appearance, but he looks on the heart. 
God doesn't judge us by external standards because we can fake outward performance. We can deceive others into thinking that we're someone or something that we're not. We can dress up to put on a show, but God weighs and searches the heart of man. God sees past the facade and sees directly into the very center of our hearts and who we really are. So you can fool other people, and you can fool me, but you can't fool God. And you won't fool me, and you won't fool other people very long, because the attitude of our hearts will ultimately reveal itself in those relationships. And if we're not careful... Amen. Some of the things that we're going to talk about this morning, amen, can be detrimental to those relationships. It can, it can hurt those. It can destroy those. It can, it can bring uh, division and those kind of things within those relationships. And those are the things that we're going to talk about this morning. Relationship matters. It's important for us, I believe, to listen to the Word of God, allow it to penetrate our hearts, and then yield to the working of the Holy Spirit and allow Him to correct and to change us. I'm going to talk about three things this morning. I'm going to try to move quickly. I'm going to talk about three things this morning. I'm going to talk about the heart of man. I'm going to talk about the heart of God for man. And finally, we're going to talk about developing a a right heart attitude. So first of all this, point number one is this, the heart of man. The heart of every person on the planet has been corrupted by sin. Everybody would agree with that? There are no exceptions. Amen. The Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So, amen, there is not one single person in here this morning that I am not preaching to, including myself. Amen. We all fall short. Amen. I'm going to step on every one of our toes, sometimes multiple times this morning. Amen. Just get ready. It's going to be okay. Amen. It's going to be, I don't know if y'all noticed or not. Amen. But I got a sore thumb this morning. Amen. And I'm, I'm kind of babying it. Amen. Because it's, uh, it's hurting. I about cut the end of it off. Uh, I tried to cut the end of it off last night and uh, I can't even, I can't even, uh, we put this on last night and I can't even bring myself to take the band-aid off this morning and look at it. Amen. But it is, it is, uh, it is hurting. It is sore. So I know what it means like to be sore. I stepped on my thumb. I guess I don't know (laughs) hallelujah I don't care how good of a person you are I don't care how you were raised I don't care who your mom and daddy was amen at some point the effects of the fall and sin are going to find their way into your heart and you can try to convince yourself that you're okay But look at what God's Word says about the heart of man. Jeremiah chapter number 17, verse number 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Who can understand it? You see, we've got to understand, every single one of us were born with a heart problem. We've inherited a sinful nature that wants to dominate and control our lives. But when you allow it to do so, it will produce the fruit of sin in the relationships that we have in our life, in the way that we treat God, in the way that we treat others. So look what Jesus says about this subject. Matthew chapter number 15, verses 19 and 20. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Remember they came to Jesus and said, well, your disciples don't wash their hands before they eat, so they don't follow the law. Jesus said, it's not what goes in your mouth 
that defiles you. It's what comes out of your mouth that defiles you. Because these things we read in verse number 19, amen, these, these evil thoughts, these hurtful words, these sinful actions are a result of a much deeper problem in our lives beyond just the symptoms that we see on the outside. Everybody understand what I'm saying? There is a root cause to what is taking place there. It's not about just changing your behavior. It's about changing your heart. Amen? Because as long as that root of sin is in your heart, it's eventually going to show up in those relationships. So here's the bottom line. Amen? With the heart of man. You are either walking in the Spirit, and according to the way that God wants you to do, or you are walking according to your own flesh. Galatians chapter number 5, 19 through 21, Paul gives us this description. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are. Notice how some of these are parallel as we read these verses. There's a lot of things that are being repeated here over and over. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God." Those are some of the most sobering verses in all of God's Word. Because, as I said already, if you will admit it today, every single one of us that are in here are guilty of at least one of those. At least. Some of us, is, 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 as recent as last week, some of us as recently as yesterday. Some of us as recently as this morning. Some of us as recently as right now as you're sitting on a pew in church. Every single one of us are guilty of that. And the sobering reality is the last part of this verse. And God's Word says, Paul says, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. The sobering reality is this. If you allow your heart to be dominated and controlled by the sinful nature, and you allow your heart to be so hardened against God and the ways of God, such that your heart is full of the works of the flesh, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Because we have to say, amen, and let me, let me just put it plainer before I say that. Let me just put it plainer. That means... If those kind of things are what are controlling our lives, instead of the working of the Holy Spirit, we're walking in the flesh. The flesh was over here, right? We're walking in the flesh instead of walking in the Spirit. And that is so controlling our lives. Amen, that there's no evidence of the Spirit in our lives. There's no evidence of the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to talk about in just a minute. Let me just put it this plain to you this morning. That means you're not truly saved. And you will not make it to heaven. That's what that verse says. 
That is one of the most sobering verses that I know of in all of Scripture. Because when I read that verse, I see my reflection in the mirror. As the face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects a man. Who he really is. And when I read the Word of God, and I read that, and I think, God, I see some evidence of those things in my life. I see some tendencies in my own heart to turn away from your will and your way in my life and the fruit of the Spirit that we're going to talk about later. And I start to see some of these works of the flesh beginning to rise up in my life. That is a sobering reminder for me that it is my responsibility as a child of God first and foremost, not even as your pastor, but as a child of God, to make sure that every single root, uh, amen, of sin uh, and the works of the flesh uh, is rooted out of my life uh, and that I live in a way, amen, that I can love God and love other people in the way that God wants me to do that. Amen. I know that's a hard pill to swallow this morning, but it's the truth. But here's the good news. That's not God's plan for your life. That's the warning. That's not God's plan. And that's not your pastor's plan for your life this morning either. Amen. God has a heart for you that loves you and cares for you. And your pastor this morning has a heart for you that loves you and that cares for you. And God's heart and your pastor's heart is to see you saved, to see you redeemed, to see you transformed, to see you changed so powerfully by the gospel of Jesus Christ uh, that you walk out of this place uh, a new creature in Christ Jesus, uh, never to be the same again. He has that power in our lives, Brother Chuck. I can't do it on my own. Tap the red the verse this morning. We've got to be connected to the vine of Jesus Christ. We've got to abide in Him, and He must abide in us because without Him, we can do nothing. I can't fix this mess on my own. If we could, we wouldn't have needed Jesus. God knew we needed a Redeemer, a Savior, a Christ who didn't commit one of these things. Not one. So that he could die in my place and your place. So that I can inherit eternal life. And I can inherit the kingdom of God. And I don't have to sit here in the church service this morning and wonder, am I on my way to heaven or on my way to hell? But I can have an assurance in my heart that because... I'm not perfect, uh, and I know that I'm going to, amen, fall into some of these things at times of my life, but that's not the pattern of my life. I don't allow those things to control me, Brother Chuck, <laughs> amen, but I, I come to the place where I'm letting the Holy Spirit lead me, guide me, and direct me, and when those things rise up in my life, I say, I've got to do something about it. And I let the Holy Spirit change my life by surrendering to Him, surrendering to the cross, surrendering to Jesus Christ. And what He has done for us. If you're trying to work it out on your own, you'll never accomplish it. You are just beating the air. Amen. But if you'll surrender to the heart of God and you'll surrender to Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, He will change it. Number two, the heart of God for man. Did you know that God hates Some of y'all are waiting <laughs> for the next part. 
Did you know that God hates? I know that sounds contradictory to hear, but the Bible says there are some things that God hates. And He hates those things because they're completely contrary to His nature and His character. And God's heart for you is for you to have a pure heart that is a reflection of His own. So what, is God, what am I saying? What does God hate? Proverbs chapter number 6. Verses 16 through 19, I believe it is. Yes. These six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies, and one who sows discord among the brethren. Can I summarize those for you for just a second? Pride, lying, murder, evil thoughts, delighting in evil, false witnessing against others, and troublemaking. Those are seven things the Bible says God hates. Now, we could break down the word hate, and we could get into what does it mean, and how could God hate because he's a God of love. Amen. Let me just say this. They are an abomination to our Heavenly Father above. Is that plain enough? Amen. Those are the things that are going to defile us. And I don't know about you, but if God's Word says that there are specific things that God hates or that are an abomination to Him, I want to avoid it at all costs. Amen. I don't want anything to do with it. Uh, even though my sinful nature does, uh, amen, the Spirit of Christ is inside of me, amen, wants to overcome those things in my life. But see, the Bible's not just a list of don'ts. The Bible is also a list of do's and can's. Amen? So let's look at it, uh, amen, this morning. Micah chapter number 6, verse number 8, if I got it in the right order. Yes. He, God, has shown you, O oh man, what is good. Okay, this is what I want to know right here. What's good? And what does the Lord require of you? Thank God, finally, because somebody, amen, has been saying, I mean, I just wish I knew, uh, amen, what, God's, amen, what God wanted me to do and how He wanted me to live. Well, here it is. To do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Is that it? Come on. To love mercy... I'm starting to back up. To do justly. In other words, act justly. Treat people right. To love mercy. To show the same mercy and love and grace that God has extended to us through His Son. And to walk humbly with your God. Do you see it there? Love God and love people. Love God and love people. Let me pause here just for a second. This ain't in my notes, but let me just go ahead and say it. Amen. Because the Holy Spirit dropped it in my heart. I've said this before, but I'm going to say it again because it applies to this message. If you will get your heart, I wish, I mean, the word, I'm not going to change the Word of God, but, I mean, for sake of argument this morning, I'm going to flip that, I'm going to flip that over, if you will. Walk humbly with your God, do justly, and love mercy. Because if you'll put God first in your life and the relationship with Him is right and where it needs to be, you won't have to worry about doing justly and loving mercy. It's going to come out of you because it's in you. Amen? It's going to be something that naturally flows out of your life because your relationship with God is correct. Amen. So what does this mean? What does this mean in practice? Well, Paul gives it to us. We're going to go back to Galatians chapter 5. We talked about the works of the flesh. Now we're going to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. 
But the fruit of the Spirit is love. I don't think it's a coincidence God put love first. Because every single one of these other things that we're going to read flows out of love. You don't have love, you don't have them other things. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, which is patience. God help me. I'm not a person, a person of much patience. Come on, I got a couple amens in the house this morning. Come on. Well, I should have just preached on that this morning. Hey, man, I got some, woo, some praises, and I got some amens this morning, Brother Chuck. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. King James says temperance. Against such, there is no law. There ain't no law against doing good. What did Paul say? Man, you go, they ain't, sum it up. All the law, all the prophets. I mean, we're studying through it. It's, it's, it's beneficial to do that. But sum up all the law and the prophets and loving God and loving people. Amen. And there ain't no law against loving God and loving people. Don't even worry about that. Amen. If you'll live your life in a way that uh, exemplifies that, I mean, you'll be living in the way that God, amen, wants you to live. So you may be asking, well, what do we do about this? What if I'm struggling with one of these areas of my life? Well, let's look at point number three. This is our final point this morning. Developing the right heart attitude. The Bible says that God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. That's 2 Peter 1 and 3. In other words, God has not left us to try to figure this life out on our own. How many thank God for that? He's given us an instruction manual, the Bible, to tell us and show us how to live in right relationship with Him and each other. He's also giving us, given us His Son, Jesus Christ, as an example of how we should live. Right? Let this mind be also in you, which was in Christ Jesus. In other words, we are trying to be conformed into the image of Christ. I'm not trying to be conformed into the image of a pope. I'm not trying to be conformed into the image of a televangelist. I'm not trying to be conformed into the image of, of, of loved ones and, and great saints of God that have passed on and moved on. Amen. I'm not, uh, amen, primarily, amen, it's okay, amen, to think about those people and the, and the godly people that they were, but that is not my ultimate source, amen, of, of trying to emulate somebody's life. I am trying to emulate Christ. Because they were trying to emulate Christ. And they lived the life that they lived because they lived the life that they loved God and they loved people. They lived because they were walking in the Spirit, a way that you and I can follow. But our eyes are on Christ. Amen? Our eyes should be upon Him. And He is the example. Not only has He given us His Word, the instruction manual, and He sent us an example so we say, well, I don't know, uh, amen, what the Bible says or what it means. Well, He's given us an example of how Christ lived His life and things that He did and ways that He said things and way that, ways that He approached situations. But not only has God done that, He's also given you the Holy Spirit if you're a child of God. And the Holy Spirit that is inside of your life it's, a, it's our conscience, if you will. It's a reminder. It's a little prick in the side every once in a while. When we do something wrong, amen, something goes, mm. that was a little less subtle than the first one. And sometimes God has to do me that way. I don't know if he has to do you that way. But sometimes mm, just poking inside is okay. Every once in a while, God's got, 
knock me upside the head. Nobody else is that way. That's good. I mean, y'all doing all right. That Holy Spirit is a knock in the head every once in a while, Brother Chuck, that we need. And God is trying to shake us sometimes and saying, what in the world are you doing? Come on. It's that little, it's that little unction sometimes in our spirit that says, okay. You understand, there's, there's seven things God hates. There's some things that are contrary to God's nature. There's some things that don't line up with the example of Christ. There's some things that don't line up with the Word of God in your life. Are you willing to make a change? Or are you just going to stay the same way you are? That's what the Holy Spirit does. See, the Holy Spirit won't force you to do anything. He could. Oh, gosh, he could. <laughs> he could... <laughs> He could just completely revolutionize. He could. He's not going to do that. Because if it doesn't come from your free will and your choice, it's not from your heart. God doesn't care about your external performance. God cares about your heart. That's what he's after this morning. So you say, well, what are some things that we need to focus on in order to maintain a right heartitude, the right heart attitude. Well, I'm going to go back to the book of Proverbs, and we're going to pull some wisdom out of there. I mean, if you have your Bibles and want to turn with us, it's Proverbs chapter number 4, beginning at verse 23. If not, it's on the screen. I got four points this morning, and I'm done. You want to know how to develop the right heart attitude in your life? Here's four things I'm going to give you. Number one, guard your heart. Proverbs 4 and 23 says, Keep or guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. You must guard your heart and your mind because whatever enters your heart and whatever enters your mind and you allow it to stay there will eventually become a part of who you are. If you fill your heart and mind with good things and the things of God, your heart will be good and godly. If you fill your heart and mind with evil things and the things of the world, your heart will be evil and worldly. The choices you make and what you allow into your heart will determine your heartitude, the attitude of your heart. And your heartitude will determine the quality of your relationships, relationships both with God and with people. That's why it's absolutely vital that we constantly guard our hearts against invasion from the works of the flesh and we turn to the help of the Holy Spirit to overcome those things. Number two, we got to tame our tongue. Verse 24 says, Put away from you a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. You see, your mouth can be a deadly weapon. Do you know that? In fact, it's probably one of the deadliest weapons on the face of the planet. And it comes down to how you choose to wield it or to use it. The Bible says life and death are in the power of the tongue. The Apostle James wrote that no one can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not be so. No man, 
no woman, no boy, and no girl can tame the tongue, but Jesus Christ can. The power of the Holy Spirit that is in your life can. Amen? What we say is ultimately a reflection of who we are. Jesus said, out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. So let me ask you a couple questions. What are you allowing to come out of your mouth? All right, this is that part of the service where I'm not looking at anybody. I got to look at my notes, but y'all just bear with me. What are you allowing to come out of your mouth? Is it positive or is it negative? Is it intended to lift somebody up or put somebody down? Is it helpful or is it hurtful? Is it a blessing or is it a curse? The truthful answers to those questions is a true reflection of who you are. Let me give you a warning on this point. God said in the Old Testament that he would curse those who curse Israel and he would bless those that bless Israel. You see, God doesn't like anybody talking about his children. And when you put a curse on a child of God or you speak a curse over a child of God, you're not doing anything but bringing an own, a curse on your own life. Not only that, as James wrote, an evil tongue is set on fire of hell and it can quickly kindle a flame that will destroy relationships. That's why it's absolutely vital for us to tame our tongue and keep it in submission with the help of the Holy Spirit. I got to move, y'all. I'm sorry. Watch your eyes, number three. Proverbs 4 and 25, let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. I think this verse is a warning about distraction. Being distracted by focusing on other people and situations instead of focusing on our own lives and keeping our eyes on Christ. And if we do that, we're really not watching where we're going. It's this kind of heart that leads to sins like envy, jealousy, covetousness, strife, hatred, divisions, gossip, slander, bite, bite, backbiting, and all sorts of other issues that can absolutely destroy relationships and not just personal relationships. These sins will quench the move of God in a church and stun its growth, and in some cases I've seen it happen, it will tear a church apart when it is allowed to continue in our lives. That's why it's vitally important that we watch our eyes and focus on the path that God has laid out for each one of us. That's why as I've been, I've been dancing around this, this verse waiting to get to it. Hebrews 12 and 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. That's where our eyes should be. Number four, order your steps. Proverbs 4 and 26 says, Ponder the path of your feet and let all your ways be established. The Bible says in Psalms 37 23 that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. In other words, when we're fully surrendered to God and following Jesus and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, God will order your steps. He will lay out a path before you to follow. Because see, the Bible also says there's a way that seems right to a man. There's a path that seems right to a man. But the end thereof is the ways of death. But that's not God's plan for your life. God has a path laid out for you that doesn't lead to death. 
He's got a path for you that leads to life and life eternal. And the decisions, the decisions that we make today could very well determine which path that we continue down. Now, I'm going to restate that. The decisions that you make today will determine the path that you're on. Order your steps in the ways of God. Amen. He's got something so much greater for us. Amen. Than the things, amen, that can come in and destroy our hearts and lives. And how do we do this? So what's the way to ensure that we have that heart attitude and uh, the right heart attitude, the right attitude of the heart and follow that path? Well, that journey begins at the cross of Calvary. It starts by coming and kneeling and bowing down before the man Christ Jesus. And recognizing that without him, that we are nothing. That without him, I'm full of wretchedness and sinfulness. That without him, I can't order my steps. Without him, I can't take one step. Without him, I can't find my way to God. That without him, there is no hope in my life. But with Christ Jesus... He can take a heart that is black as black can be, that is full of the sins uh, and the things of this world, and He can wash it uh, in red blood uh, this morning. And Brother Chuck, uh, it'll come out uh, as white as snow. I don't know how He does it. He does it. Hey man, it starts at the cross of Calvary. Surrendering your life to him and then it ends when you get up off of that altar after committing your life to Christ and coming to Calvary to the place of an altar the place of a sacrifice and you say now I'm ready to deny myself to take up my cross and follow him follow the one Amen. That walked up Calvary's hill for me. Amen. And lay down some things in my life. Amen. That are an abomination to him. Amen. Change my heart. Allow the Holy Spirit to come in and revolutionize my life. So that I can live a life that's pleasing to him. Amen. It starts with coming to Calvary. And they step is deny yourself, take up your cross and follow him. The next thing is start digging into your word. Making time for family devotions at home. Getting on your knees and praying. Meditating on God's goodness. Offering him praises and worship. Because as you do so, as you're taking your cross and you're following him, you're becoming more like the master. You're becoming more like Jesus. And the more you become more like him, the more your heart will reflect his heart. The more we'll start to see some of those things that we had up on the screen earlier melt away. When your steps are ordered by God, You'll be prepared for those bumps in the road. 
you will not only act like a Christian, but you'll react like a Christian. Oh, I'll say it again. Amen. You will not only act like a Christian, but you will also react like a Christian. Because it's not about outward performance. We can all pretend for a while, but eventually, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is going to speak. The actions are going to find themselves evident in our lives. Let me read this to you. It is much easier to act like a Christian than it is to react like one. Anyone could put on an act, but your reactions reveal what is really in your heart. That's why it's absolutely vital for us to order our steps according to God's will for our lives. In closing this morning, I want to go back to our first verse in Proverbs 27, 19. As a face is reflected in water, so the heart reflects a real person, or reflects the real person, excuse me. So let me ask you a couple things this morning. What is the reflection of your heart? What is your heartitude? What's the attitude of your heart? Has this message today revealed some areas in your heart that need to change? I've got some good news. God is still in the heart-changing business. I know he is because he's cha- he has to change mine every day. Amen. If you're willing to completely surrender your life to him, God can give you a heart transplant today. Ezekiel 36 and 26, God says this, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. In other words, God says he can take out that old hard heart and give you a heart that is soft, that is pliable, that will reflect his goodness. Uh, He'll give you a heart this morning that is capable of loving him uh, and loving people. Amen. He'll give you a heart this morning. Amen. That you can have right relationships uh, with him and with others. Uh, Amen. He uh, can do uh, what you don't think is possible this morning. God can do it. He can change it. Let me finish with this. You say, well, I'm trying everything that I can, and I still have trouble in relationships. Well, let me, let me share this with you as we close. You are responsible for your heart. You are responsible for making sure that your heart is in alignment with God and is in right, right relationship with other people that you are acting in a way that lines up with God's Word. You cannot change somebody else's heart, no matter how hard you try. That is not your responsibility. Your responsibility is to keep your heart right so that you just don't act like a Christian, but you react like one. Thank you, Brother Chuck. On my knees. How do we do that? Ain't no other way but on our knees. The only way we'll ever stand is on our knees with lifted hands. Amen. You say, I I can't fix the wrong relationships that are going on in my life. It's not your responsibility to fix everything that is going wrong in those relationships. It's your responsibility to have your heart right, react in a way 
that God, the Holy Spirit, moves in your heart and you know is right to react. And you guess what you're doing? Every time you do that, what the Bible says, you're heaping up coals of fire on their heads. What does that mean? Amen. Whatever they're trying to do to get under your skin, when you are reacting in a way that is godly, what they thought was a curse on you is coming right back on them. And that's God trying to nudge their heart to say, brother, sister, lost man, lost woman, let me in there. He wants to change it. Stand to your feet this morning. I've said this before. I've used this example, but uh, it is no more true than it is this morning. I'm going to use it again. Heads, heads up, eyes open. Amen. You don't have to go to sleep yet. Amen. I put you all to sleep last week. I had a 45-minute, amen, heads bowed, eyes closed. Amen. That was hard. I know. Is there a place in your heart where even you don't go? You got some things hidden there that you don't want no one to know. God is handing you the key with tears of love on his face. He says, I want to make you free. Let me in your secret place. God's not going to knock down the door to get into your heart. He's not going to break in like a thief. God nearly, merely stands at the door and knocks. Amen. God stands on the outside of the door. And he knocks on the door of your heart. And he waits for you to open the door and let him in. Are you willing this morning, wherever you are in your life with him, if something nudged your heart this morning, are you willing to admit it? Are you willing to let down some pride? And whatever it is that's holding you back, Just simply grab that door handle and open it up and let Jesus into your heart this morning. Would you do that? It's just that easy. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Holy Spirit, you are welcome in this place. God, Holy Spirit, move upon every heart and every life of every man, woman, boy, and girl that is in this place this morning. God, touch, God, our hearts and our lives, God, today. God, open it up. God, your word, you said, is like a sharp two-edged sword. It pierces, it divides, even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joints and marrow, and is, is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. You know the heart of every man and woman and boy and girl that is in here this morning. That's not for me to know. And God, I ask us, God, right now in this moment, if we'll just be real with ourselves just for a minute. 
God, in this moment of an altar call, God, that, uh, God, that we would allow you, God, to speak to our hearts. And I just want to ask you this morning, if God is speaking to your heart, man, woman, boy, and girl that's in here today, if God is speaking to you, if something that uh, we've said this morning through this message or something that was done today, amen, has pricked your heart and you say, Brother Tony, I want prayer. You know how I operate. I will not call you out. I will not uh, uh, pull you out of a pew. I won't drag you down here to the altar. I'm just going to simply ask you, if you need something from God this morning, would you lift up your hand and let me know this morning? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, I got two in the altar already. Would anybody else like to come this morning? I'm going to give an altar call for about as long as the Holy Spirit tells me to give an altar call. But when he says it's done, I'm fixing to get an altar beside these men that are up here right now, and I'm going to kneel down myself. Because there's some places in my heart where I, I don't want to go. I got some things hidden in my heart that I don't want nobody to know. He's handing me a key this morning just like he's handing you a key. Tears of love streaming down our Savior's face. The same face that was beaten unrecognizable before the cross of Calvary. The hands that were pierced by the nails are reaching out to us today. He's saying, I love you with everything that I have. Would you let me in your heart? Would you surrender your life to me this morning? Would you give me those dark recesses of your life that I just want so desperately to get into? I'll take that old hard heart out of your life and I'll give you a heart of flesh.